Bruce. Uh, I was thinking about you as a walking. I think you can probably walk outdoors now. It's so nice. I've been walking indoors since January the 5th. I took a spill on the 4th, so, and then, of course, the weather got cold. Uh, but today is the day. I'm excited about it. I'm going to go walking this afternoon when it warms up a little more and uh, enjoy the fresh air and the scenery. Yeah. It's 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 so nice when, and I mean, it's too early for this weather, but it's so nice when after a period of time when you've kind of been shut in, uh, that you can go out and do that, and and yeah. there's nothing like walking outside, right? No, no. I mean, uh, walking around the track at uh, service places. You know, I got my reps in, but uh, uh, it's a little shy on the fresh air and scenery aspect. Um, that's where getting outside every day does me more good. It does my heart good. It does my head good. So, speaking of reps, uh, Stuart Skinner got his in the first period last night. Oh man, did he ever! And did he ever respond uh, with terrific, uh, well, really two periods of hockey. He didn't have much to do in the third. But he was every reason Edmonton was in that game at 1-1 with a chance. Uh, and once they got to the third period, well, that seems to be the team's domain just now. And uh, they, you know, they, they took the baton from uh, Stu and delivered it to uh, the other end. And it, but Skinner was the, the big reason that they had a fighting chance in that game. I I'm of the opinion that that res, the resume for Skinner two years in the AHL playing well, uh, rookie of the year finalist. Uh, like I'm not saying Ken Holland had to. I'm I, I think it was correct to, for him to do it. But he showed great patience with Skinner, and you know I I, I for some reason in my mind. Even though Dubnik had been around longer and was more established when they finally the swarm got him, I, I I just I feel like I guess maybe when you get older you see patterns and that was the worry that they would move off of Skinner. I think some credit needs to be given to the player, but also to management for not panicking in that moment. Yeah, well, there was a point here in mid mid November where the narrative was Oilers need a goalie. In fact, Oilers need two goalies because the ones that uh, that we have are not up to the task, and they need to make a trade for, you know, anybody. Uh, Buddy in San Jose, Blackwood, you know, his name kept coming up and up and up like he was going to be some big upgrade. And uh, Ken Holland, I mean, to his credit, he held, he just held on to his cards and waited for the sevens to turn into aces. <laughs> Somehow they did. Had something up his sleeve, I guess. But uh, uh, Skinner's turnaround in, in particular is remarkable. Like, he had, through uh, U.S. Thanksgiving, he had an 865 save percentage. And since U.S. Thanksgiving, he's had 933, which is to say that the other team is literally scoring half as often per shot than they were before. The, the, the opponent's shooting percentage dropped from 13.5 to 6.7. Yeah. At that divide of U.S. Thanksgiving that many see as, you know, sort of an important marker of the season. And Skinner's, you know, he's won 18 out of 20 starts and, and uh, uh, 180 goals against average in that time. And he's keeping company with Hellbuck and Demko at the, you know, sort of the top of the charts of... Uh, goalies over that span he's still you know his whole year stats will suffer a bit for that bad start but uh 
regression towards the mean has happened and happened hard with Stu Skinner and uh, Holland's um, just holding fire and not making a desperation trade because the, the goaltending wasn't getting the job done. Uh, looks like a very wise move in, in uh, retrospective today. I want your because you're you're a wise guy. I don't mean a wise guy, a wise person. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry that I outed you on the radio, Bruce. Oh, uh, no. Everybody <laughs> knows now. <laughs> so, um, but but you you you've seen things over a period of time, and and I like if I say to you, Ken Holland uh, has a roster that looks like it could win a Stanley Cup championship and deserves that. Well, also allowing criticism for the moves that he made during his coming up on five years that were not good and didn't look good at first blush. I think we can have those two things, but in a world that, that doesn't allow any sort of, you know, reasonable take that is perceived as being down the middle, I think if you call it down the middle, you can be critical of Holland, but he has the team here, he's made the playoffs, and it it looks damn good. Some credit has to be given, Fair. Uh, yes, absolutely, it does. And I mean, this business that, uh, you know, mistakes were made, therefore terrible needs to go, should be fired, et cetera, et cetera. And we see the same thing with players where, you know, lots of players, I'll choose Darnell Nurse as a, as a prominent example, that do good things and bad basically every game. Uh, and some choose to only see the bad, and others choose to only see the good. And really, the properly way, you have to take everything into account does the good outweigh the bad uh overall and and uh let's um let's give some credit where it's due you know some of those good moves that holland's made have really paid off i mean the hyman signing is fantastic and in retrospect the ekholm trade is fantastic and you know many people agreed on that right away and the asmaceu trade still stinks you know and they're still paying the price for that yes uh, you know, and, and all of those are on Holland's record. Uh, he did say the day that he arrived here that he would make mistakes, and he delivered on that promise. Uh, but uh, I think he said something similar to, you know, look at the overall big picture, and the big picture is that the uh, uh, the orders are getting closer. Bruce McCurdy, our guest, Cult of Hockey at the Edmonton Journal. So I... Uh, I'm asking this question not because I don't have other questions, but because the damn answer keeps changing. So, or at least I think it does. So, w- right now, Bruce, you're in the office with Ken Holland, and he's offered you a, a you know tea and a cookie, and he wants to know where you think the needs of this roster are. W- where are they? Yeah, that's a very good question, uh, and. The list is shorter than it was. I mean, last week we were talking about bottom six forwards, and now in the last seven days, I think they've added two uh, in terms of Dylan Holloway getting called up and Corey Perry getting signed. That didn't require uh, any kind of assets going out the door, and so now they have you know depth, more depth than they than they had before. Uh, I still see a hole at uh, uh, bottom center. And specifically, a right shot mm-hmm. would be nice to. It would be nice to not run a team of four lefties. Uh, on the other hand, I'm not sure that's a fatal flaw. And Holloway, you know, if he continues to run with this opportunity, if you got McLeod and Holloway, uh, three and four C, 
uh, that's not entirely terrible. And then last minute, they want to play together. So again, you may be looking at wanting a 4C. And so they need to, as they did last year, Holland checked about 16 boxes in that one trade where he brought on Nick Bukestad, uh, all of which is now being uh uh, remembered in light of the guy that got away in the process of making that trade, but getting that guy in at you know three hundred thousand below NHL minimum, that was huge right shot, could play center or wing, could kill penalties, was good in the dot. You know that was a lot of uh, a lot of uh, things taken care of at once. Uh, what uh, what went wrong was they wound up playing him up the lineup too far and and, uh, and giving him a bad matchup, and that's of course what folks remember, but. The trade in itself, in terms of what they acquired, made sense. And, and to find another player of that ilk, um, it might be uh, very close to the top of the charts now. Yeah, it's it's um, it's an interesting roster, made more interesting by Fogel and McLeod in recent days. I'll say. Yeah, well, those guys, I mean, Fogel, during the 14-game winning streak, he's got 14 points at even strength. Yeah. Uh, leads the team. Warren Fogel. Uh, I mean, who saw that coming? <laughs> Got a power play goal last night, too, I noticed. I think that's his second special teams point. I mean, this guy does all of his scoring at five-on-five. Five. I noticed in your uh, blog today, uh, you have him scoring at a first-line rate. In fact, in top 32, you have four Oilers in the top 32, which is a top player rate, not just a top-line rate in a 32-team league. Uh, but he's got to be the shocker among them. And, of course, uh, uh, Ryan McLeod uh, has been delivering the goods uh, uh, as well. He had, I thought, a fine game last night. I uh, didn't get any points, but it wasn't because he wasn't involved in uh, scoring plays. He just was the fourth-last guy to touch the puck kind of thing. If you're Corey Perry, do you want in this lineup before they lose? Uh, well, what you don't want is to come into the lineup the day they lose. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, um, I think he probably wants in this lineup as soon as he can get in there, and uh, uh, it's it's a question of who comes out. Last night, for the first two periods, I kind of thought a few of the guys that were you know sort of put on notice that Corey Perry's coming after one of your jobs, and I thought none of them responded great in in the first part of that game, but um, uh, did a little bit better in the third or saw less ice time in the third. Uh, but I almost envision that they might start rotating players a little bit because they got a very heavy schedule, you know, after this big break. They play 36 games in the last 70 days yeah. of the season. And if you have, I mean, look, let's assume no injuries. And if you have Corey Perry and, and uh, Sam Gagne and Matthias Janmark and Connor Brown and Derek Ryan, all playing four out of every five games, I don't see that as a bad thing. Yeah. it's So you're saying right-handed center and probably a, a seventh defenseman because they always do that. What about... Yeah, well, yeah, seventh yeah. man. It, it almost goes without saying. That is page one of Holland's trade deadline manual. Four years out of four in Edmonton, his first trade for an incoming player was always for a veteran defenseman. Do you... Um... Where Because I think Calvin Pickard might be good enough, and I don't know that, but I'd like to see. Is that where you are? Well, we don't know that he isn't. And we do know that uh, as of right now, the Oilers have four healthy uh, goalies in the organization, and all four of them are playing well. 
So if Calvin Pickard falters to the point that he, you know, he has a, 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 a number of bad games, you know, let's say even two or three in a row, they have other options within the organization. For right now, if you were to say, well, I would want to give Olivier Rodrigo a look, so let's wave Calvin Pickard. It's bye-bye that you're waving because someone will claim him for sure. Yeah. And there's just no need. Like he's playing one game every 10 games, and he comes in, he gives in two goals, and always win. So that's fine. <laughs> I'm trying to decide whether I want to ruin your day or not. Okay. So there's a Bones Bones has sent a role play question. I was going to answer it myself, but I think I'd rather hear your answer. So, Bruce, you are Jeff Jackson. Ken Holland walks into the office at the end of the season and says, you know, I think I'd like to stick around a little longer. Do you entertain bringing back Ken Holland as GM? Well, his five-year contract is up. Uh, it seemed like a turning point even the day Jeff Jackson was announced. And we've seen, uh, I think, one or two moves, notably the change of coaching staff, that seemed to have Jackson's fingerprints all over it. Uh, and I'll also notice that the Oilers have uh, two or three positions in the organization that they call special advisor or some such. Uh, and maybe there's uh, um, something, some middle ground like that. I was going to say president of hockey operations, but Jackson himself is the CEO of hockey operations, so I'm not sure how many more presidents, vice presidents, and uh, and uh, so on that you need. But that that might happen. I kind of think, though, like he's as old as I am, for goodness sake, so... You know, Holland is so he's uh, he's got to be thinking of putting his feet up in front of the fire at some point. Uh, that said, when he had that opportunity in Detroit, he didn't last what six weeks, and he's no. here. Well, I, yeah, so, I think he's a he's a life. It's he's like a lifer. Yeah, it's like you. You know, you you have to walk indoors for like two weeks, and you're mad as hell, Bruce. <laughs> you know. Yeah, there's that, isn't there? So, yeah, uh, yeah it wouldn't surprise me that he would say, yeah, I want to stick around for a couple more years. But uh, in a perfect world, Oilers win the Cup. No. And he rides in the front car in the parade, and people actually applaud, and and he moves on, and the Oilers move forward. Uh, but uh, uh, perfect worlds uh, don't always happen, but that sure would be... Uh, you know, I mean, that's he, he wants that one last cup, and it would be great if it just happened right away this year after, you know, after the five-year effort. Yeah. And they're getting close, but, geez, the playoffs are just such a, a, a unwieldy beast, and you never know what what challenges are coming from what direction. But uh, uh, they're looking strong right now, and there's, you know, no, no real denying that, but on the other hand, we haven't seen them play a super top team for quite a while. That's a good point. Good point. Bruce, you're a good fella. All right. Thank you, Alan. <laughs>